Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Hans. Hello. And Danielson. Ayo. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, well, there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up to our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the CIA project where they infiltrate and influence journalists and media outlets throughout the years, called Operation Mockingbird. Also, we have over 50 extra episodes, which is over 70 extra hours already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as Aerial School UFO, Spear of Destiny, Silk Road, and much more, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. There, you can see all the merchandise we have for sale. T-shirts, hats, mugs, all that good stuff. And I just want to say that the money we get from Patreon and merchandise sales goes to bettering the show. Also, we know things are tough out there right now. So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that is fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is Project MK Ultra. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk about the beginning of it, what it was, how it came to light, strange facts and findings, theories around it, and of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. On August 3rd, 1977, there was a hearing in front of the United States Senate. The director of the CIA and other agency witnesses gave their testimonies about documents that were discovered. These documents detailed nearly 20 years of extremely secretive CIA programs. These programs saw countless unsuspecting Americans exposed to drugs, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, abuse, torture, and much more. All this testing being hidden and conducted by the CIA under the project name MKUltra. Now, just like every week, we have to start at the beginning. So to better understand this MKUltra, we have to start at the creation of the CIA. So Dan, do you want to start us off with that? Of course. 
So all of this starts during World War II. The United States at this time had established what was called the OSS, which was the Office of Strategic Services. This OSS agency was being used to conduct intelligence gathering operations and engage in espionage to assist in the ongoing war. Now, after the war in 1947, the United States recognized that they could use this OSS agency for worldwide intelligence gathering operations, not only just for times of war, but during times of peace as well. So the leaders of the White House were like, let's create a new agency and call them the Central Intelligence Agency. The other elites up there thought it was a great idea also. So the National Security Act of 1947 officially established the CIA with the intent to expand those former operations that the OSS was doing and to create a formal authority to oversee covert activities worldwide. Now, let's fast forward a few years later to the early 1950s. At this time, it was the height of the Cold War. The United States and Soviet Russia definitely had some beef going on. Now, also at this time, some of the officials in the United States government started to fear that not only the Soviet Union, but the Chinese and the North Koreans were using mind control to brainwash U.S. prisoners of war that were in Korea. Because of this, the United States didn't want to fall behind in research. So in 1953, the director of the CIA at the time, Alan Dulles, approved what was called Project NKUltra. This top-secret operation was aimed to develop techniques that the United States could use against enemies to control human behavior with drugs and other psychological manipulators. Project MKUltra involved over 150 different types of human experiments involving psychedelic drugs and electroshock therapy, to name just a few. Sometimes the test subjects knew they were participating in a study, but at other times they had no idea. Many of these tests were conducted at universities, hospitals, or prisons in the United States and Canada. For nearly 20 years, from the 1950s to the 70s, these CIA programs would see countless unsuspecting individuals exposed to drugs, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, abuse, and torture. Now, it's not clear how many people were involved or subjected to these tests, but before we discuss the experiments themselves, let's talk about how this all came to light. Now, like we mentioned earlier, it's not clear how many people were involved or subjected to these tests. Why? Well, in 1973, the Watergate scandal happened, and at the time, the CIA director Richard Helms, who was overseeing these MKUltra experiments, got super nervous. He didn't want anyone looking around into what they were doing. So to be super safe, he ordered the destruction of all MKUltra documents. So if all these documents were destroyed, how did they come to light? Well, in December of 1974, the New York Times released an article that said the CIA had been conducting illegal domestic activities on unsuspecting American citizens. This article prompted an investigation by Congress into the allegations, and they formed a committee to do this investigation. Now, despite the head CIA do ordering all the MKUltra documents to be destroyed, some survived. Around 20,000 of them. 
These documents escaped because they were financial papers and were stored elsewhere. So whenever the documents were being destroyed, these were overlooked. A FOIA, which Freedom of Information Act, was filed and these documents were found in an abandoned warehouse. Because these were financial papers, the documents didn't reveal much other than the people involved and how much money was spent. The real discoveries of what happened were during the interviews that were done by the investigation committee that Congress had appointed. So on August 3rd, 1977, there was a joint hearing in front of the United States Senate. They were to hear the testimony from the director of the CIA and other agency witnesses about documents that were found that detailed the testing conducted by the CIA, you know, a.k.a. MKUltra. So Edward Kennedy of Massachusetts, who was the chairman of the health subcommittee at the time, took the stand to answer the questions from the Senate in this joint hearing. The Senate then says to Edward Kennedy. The Senate Health Subcommittee heard chilling testimony about the human experimentation activities of the CIA. The deputy director of the CIA revealed that over 30 universities and institutions were involved in an extensive testing and experimentation program, which included covert drug tests on unwilling citizens at all social levels, high and low, American citizens, and foreign citizens. Several of these tests involved the administration of LSD to unwilling subjects in social situations. The CIA itself acknowledged that these tests made little scientific sense. The agents doing the monitoring were not qualified scientific observers. The test subjects were seldom accessible beyond the first several hours of the test. In a number of instances, the test subjects became ill for hours or days. Other experiments were equally offensive. For example, heroin addicts were enticed into participating in LSD experiments in order to get a reward, which was heroin. But perhaps most disturbing of all was the fact that the extent of the experimentation on human subjects was unknown. The records of all these activities were destroyed in January 1973 at the instruction of then-CIA director Richard Helms. In spite of persistent inquiries by the Intelligence Committee, no additional records or information was forthcoming, and no one, no single individual, could be found who remembered the details, not the director of the CIA who ordered the documents destroyed, not the official responsible for the program, nor any of his associates. We believe that the record, incomplete as it was, was as complete as it was going to be. Then one individual, through a Freedom of Information Act, accomplished what two United States Senate committees could not. They spurred the CIA into finding additional records pertaining to the CIA's program of experimentation with human subjects. These new records were discovered by the CIA in March. Their existence was not made known to the Congress until July. The records reveal a far more extensive series of experiments than had previously been thought. 86 universities and institutions were involved. New instances of unethical behavior were revealed. The intelligent community of this nation, which requires a shroud of secrecy in order to operate, 
the CIA's program of human experimentation in the 50s and 60s violated that trust. And it was violated again on the day the bulk of the agency's records were destroyed in 1973. And that was what the Senate opened up with for their opening statement. But it doesn't stop here. After that opening statement, Admiral Stansfield Turner, who was the current director of the CIA at the time, went in front of everyone and read his prepared statement. He said the following. In my letter on July 15, 1977, I've reported our recent discoveries of seven boxes of documents related to Project MKUltra, a closely held classified CIA project conducted from 1953 to 1964. As you may recall, MKUltra was an umbrella project under which certain sensitive sub-projects were funded, involving, among other things, research on drugs and behavioral modification. During these investigations in 1975, it became publicly known when details of the drug-related death of Dr. Frank Olson was published, which was in 1953. Dr. Olson, a civilian employee of the Army at Fort Detrick, leaped to his death from a hotel room window in New York City about a week after having unwittingly consumed LSD administered to him as an experiment at a meeting of LSD researchers put together by the CIA. Most of what was known about the CIA's involvement with behavioral drugs during the investigations in 1975 was contained in a report on Project MKUltra. Until the recent discovery, it was believed that all the MKUltra files dealing with behavioral modification had been destroyed in 1973. All right, so that was some highlights of the investigation to help you better understand how all this came to light. So I guess let's transition over to the juicy stuff, the actual experiments. Now, like we previously stated, the goal of MKUltra was to examine methods of controlling and influencing the mind, primarily for the extraction of information from resistant subjects during interrogation. MKUltra also sought to find substances to cause paralysis, simulate the effects of alcohol, to increase paranoia, or even to cause brain damage. And that is just kind of the tip of it. Now, the early efforts of MKUltra involved the testing of LSD. Now, LSD was first synthesized in 1938, and the effect and power of LSD were still largely unknown by the 1950s. So, of course, CIA operatives wanted to know if foreign intelligence agents could be made to defect against their will and if the same could be applied to United States operatives, basically to brainwash the agents into doing their bidding. Now, the CIA needed test subjects. A lot of them. However, finding thousands of willing test subjects for such a massive program while maintaining secrecy, would be difficult. CIA officials determined the best way to conduct experimentation without bringing public suspicion or tipping off the enemy was to not tell anybody. Not even the test subjects themselves. That's pretty messed up. 
Right. But it just gets way worse. <laughs> so um, where did the CIA go to find their test subjects? Well, they went to nursing homes, prisons, and even mental hospitals. Oh. <laughs> yeah. These were the most popular sources where the CIA would give LSD to the unknowing test subjects. But they weren't the only ones. The CIA would also administer LSD to doctors, military personnel, other CIA agents, and even members of the general public, all without their knowledge. Now, one of the most famous examples was a patient who was given LSD for 174 days straight. Now, patient isn't the right word because they didn't know. Victim is the correct word. So imagine that, 174 days straight without you knowing. Yeah. He had to have thought, or he or she or whomever, had to have thought they were going crazy. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Another example was the CIA going into brothels in San Francisco, finding individuals who were going to purchase a sex worker and unknowingly drug them with LSD and observe how they reacted. The reason the CIA chose the brothel is that they assumed the people purchasing the sex workers wouldn't tell anyone about their odd feeling of what occurred to them at the brothel because they would be embarrassed to admit that they had went to a brothel in the first place. There were also allegations that the CIA agents would hire and then drug prostitutes knowing they would not go to the police or press charges. Yep. Wow. We talk about that just a little bit more later on. Yeah, we do. So what else did they do, Dan? Now, there were some individuals who were aware of their participation in the experiments, but they were usually poor, drug addicted, and taken advantage of. Often, heroin addicts, you know, were exploited, bribed with offers of more heroin to, to participate. These few subjects who did volunteer were usually singled out for more of the extreme experiments. For example, seven volunteers were given LSD for 77 consecutive days. Not as bad as the 174, but these guys knew they were on it. Yeah, they knew that they were getting it for 77 days. So they were doing LSD for 77 days and heroin. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty intense, huh? That. Anyways, um, so LSD was not the only drug uh, used during this Project MKUltra. Many drugs were experimented with in various tests, including, but not limited to, heroin, morphine, MDMA, alcohol, and marijuana, to just name a few. They also experimented with drug combinations. In one instance, they injected a patient in one arm with barbiturates, and then in the other arm, they injected amphetamines. Damn, you got downers and uppers. They wanted right. to see how well they could uh, the adjust. This is almost like uh, Unit 731, kind of. Yeah. Did you hear about the Finnish soldier that got separated from his group in World War II? And he was the medic and carried all the amphetamines. And for four weeks, he killed over like 4,000 Soviets by himself while being coked out on meth. No, I have not heard about that. You could see like the pic, like his, he's like this in his picture and you're like, 
the Red Army was scared of him. They're like, dude, this guy's coming out of nowhere. Like he took on a, a thousand troops at once and they can retreat it from this guy because he got shot like six times and still kept coming. Dude, he went full Rambo on them. <laughs> That's intense. Now, hypnosis was a large part of the program as well. The CIA recruited Scottish psychiatrist Donald Cameron who had been experimenting in reprogramming the human psyche by erasing memories. Now get this. Some of these experiments were so inhumane and secretive enough to warrant the CIA moving Donald Cameron's operation to Canada, away from the U.S. jurisdiction and the media's eyes. So what were his experiments exactly? Well, some of his methods involved putting patients into a drug-induced coma for several weeks while playing loops of repetitive noises or sounds. He would use electroshock therapy at 30 to 40 times normal power. He would use sensory deprivation, locking patients in a room with no stimulus for weeks at a time. Those aren't experiments. That's torture. That's just pure torture. So, um, because of these experiments were so harsh, there was significant collateral damage from them. His patients would start to develop amnesia and in the most extreme cases, forget who their parents were or even how to talk. Now, even though these experiments were super bad, Donald Cameron insisted he had honorable intentions of researching methods to correct schizophrenia through the reprogramming of the human psyche. Cameron was also paid handsomely and allowed to conduct his operations with virtually no oversight. To top all of that off, we will never know the full extent of Cameron's experiments, what he observed or concluded from his experiments, because in 1967, he died while hiking. Also, for reasons unknown, Cameron's family is said to have destroyed his records. How convenient. You think he got suicided? Shoot, I don't think he got suicided. I guarantee you that he's probably on some island. Yeah, or his, you know, his patients broke loose and went and tracked him down in the forest he's part of the 411 Ooh, the government sprayed him with like instead of mosquito repellent bear piss and they just attract all the bears <laughs> hey side note i watch a tiktok and it says black bears eat their prey ass first mm, nice all right so um like we mentioned earlier with cameron one of the many experiments conducted during mk ultra was sensory deprivation Test subjects were paid to lay with padded hands, muffled ears, and blindfolded eyes in a small, white-lit room 24 hours a day in an effort to understand the psychological effects of full sensory deprivation. Many subjects refused to continue the experiments after a few days. There was brainwashing used on children during experiments. However, different tactics were used. Many of the children were subjected to physical and sexual abuse, and a majority of them were unknowingly given mind-altering drugs during and after the abuse. So I know that is pretty rough, and you're probably wondering if this is still going on today. Well, like we said earlier, that little bit of official documents that weren't destroyed by the CIA state that the Project MKUltra was terminated in 1973. And a follow-up report from the U.S. General Accounting Office in 1984 revealed that testing had stopped, but that between 1940 and 1974, 
the CIA exposed thousands of human test subjects to hazardous substances and experiments. But is it truly over? Did the CIA really stop? Or did they just rename this project and continue on? Well, that takes us to strange facts and findings. So Hans, do you want to start us off with the first strange fact and finding? All right. So our first strange fact and finding revolves around a CIA veteran. In 1977, a 14-year CIA veteran named Victor Marchetti did an interview. In this interview, Victor stated that the CIA's project, MKUltra, was never abandoned. That the CIA had stated that as a cover story and that the experiments continued. He also stated that there was a reallocation of budget for this next named experiment project. So I believe that 100% that they still are continuing. I mean, even with what we talk about in today's Patreon episode, Mockingbird. Yeah, because that led to MKUltra being fully discovered too. Yep. And if you don't have Patreon, I highly suggest that you get it and you listen to it and it will all make sense. Yes, 100%. All right, so what's our next strange fact and finding? Our next strange fact and finding is about notable people who were unknowingly involved with Project MKUltra. Ooh, this is my favorite. <laughs> this is my favorite. We're, we're name dropping right here. Yeah. We're name dropping right here. Hope y'all ready for this one. Theodore Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber, was a researcher for Harvard University between 1959 and 1962. During that time, the school was carrying out experiments for the CIA under MKUltra, and Theodore Kaczynski participated in some of them. Do you know what his code name was? No, I don't. Lawful. Because when he was interrogated, lawful. Oh. Because all his answers were lawful. Okay. okay. Dude, like, if you, like, research all the shit they did to him, dude, this shit's fucked up. He, like, went home and slapped the shit out of his mom. Wow. Yeah. Side note, they were like, yeah, your mom says that you're just a fucking failure at life. Yeah, I got a note from her right now that Theodore Kaczynski is just not my son anymore. He can't uphold to the Harvard standards and brainwashed him that way. And he went home and lost his shit on his mom. That's messed up. That is. Yep. Damn. So there's a lot of individuals that were involved in these MKUltra experiments. And when I say individuals, I mean like normal people, but also... Notable people. Another one was author Ken Casey. Uh, he's the one who wrote the book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So Ken volunteered for a research study program that was being conducted by his local VA hospital. He thought it was a normal research program, but it ended up being the LSD testing program that was part of the MK Ultra. Have you listened to his interview about it? No, uh-uh. If you've never read One Flew Over the, Cuckoo, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, great book. Yeah, it is. But... At the end of one of his interviews after reading it, he said, man, you know, I was going to be an Olympic wrestler. And then I saw this thing for the hospital and they said they needed an experiment. He said, boy, did they give me all the LSD I could ever want. I remember stealing it from there and passing it out. Damn. Mm, so who's another notable person? Another notable person is Robert Hunter, who is a member of the band Grateful Dead. He went on what he thought was a harmless research study at Stanford, but that ended up being another LSD testing program that was part of MKUltra. <laughs> That's why they had such good music. Yeah, that is. So what's another person? 
Another notable person is Whitey Bulger. Now, if you don't know who Whitey was, he was a former organized crime boss. In 1957, he was at the Atlanta Penitentiary serving prison time. The CIA drugged inmates there with LSD without their knowledge to study its effects. Now, Whitey wrote about his experience and what happened. He said, eight convicts in a panic and paranoid state. Total loss of appetite. Hallucinating. The room would change shape. Hours of paranoia and feeling violent. We experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls. Guys turning to skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. Yeah, I would too if I was seeing that as well and not knowing if I was in prison and that shit was happening. Oh, hell yeah. The next notable person is Charles Manson. If you listen to our Patreon episode that we did over Charles Manson, you will remember that he was often in and out of prison during the time that MKUltra was taking place. He was also purchasing LSD from CIA agents and LSD was a specific type called Orange Sunshine. Charles Manson gave this specific LSD to members who did the killings for him. Yeah, that Orange Sunshine LSD, we talk about it in the... um Charles Manson episode that we did on Patreon and how it was made by CIA agents and how they gave it out for mind control. Like this specific type of uh, this specific type of LSD was effective in mind control or brainwashing or whatever. All right. So what's this last person? This next noticeable person isn't confirmed to be part of the program, but you guys know Saran Saran, right? Yeah. Mm hmm. The dude who shot and killed Robert Kennedy in 1968. Well, the attorney for Saran Saran stated that he was under the influence of hypnosis from the MK Ultra program whenever he shot and killed Robert Kennedy. Hmm. If he stated that before the program was brought to light, kind of makes you wonder. So it's like they knew about it, but they just didn't bring it up. Yeah. Because they knew the type of like uh, flack they would get blowback because all of their the MK Ultra stuff would come to light, which, I mean, it did anyways a few years later, so. Yeah. Anyways, all right, so I guess let's go to the next strange fact and finding, which is um, called Project MK Often. Now, this was a sub-project under Project MK Ultra. This Operation MK Often was initiated by the chief of the CIA to, and I quote, explore the world of black magic and to harness the forces of darkness and challenge the concept that the inner reaches of the mind are beyond reach. <laughs> wow. So as a part of this Operation MK Often, CIA employees visited with and recruited fortune tellers, palm readers, clairvoyants, mediums, psychics, specialists in demonology, witches and warlocks, Satanists, and other occult practitioners. All right, so let's uh, go on to the next strange fact and finding. All right, this next strange fact and finding that we are going to discuss is called Operation Midnight Climax. Now, this was one of the infamous experiments by Dr. George Hunter White. He recruited sex workers from San Francisco and asked them to administer LSD to their clients without their knowledge. 
LSD was put into the victims' drinks, and CIA operatives monitored the behavior of them through two-way mirrors. They were not able to gather any good information from this because the CIA operatives weren't even trained scientists, like we mentioned earlier. Now, even though this program lasted for more than a decade, nothing derived from it other than satisfying the people who devised the idea to begin with. So we kind of mentioned this earlier, but uh, just like all the other experiments, nothing really came of this, or at least we think. And uh, yeah, that's Operation Midnight Climax. Now, um, Dan, what's this next strange fact and finding that you got? This one, I guess you could say he's, I wouldn't say a notable person too much, but he was one that said he was recruited into MKUltra. His name is White Wolf Von Atzigen. It's a weird last name. It is. I think he has like a Nordic, Danish type background. But uh, he said that he was part of the MKUltra assassin program called Shadow Operation Extermination Squad, a.k.a. SOS. He was kidnapped when he was about 16 years old in broad daylight by a team of what he called thugs that worked for SOS. They forced him through mind control and torture to comply with the elite assassin training program they put him through. He stated these programs seek to recruit people who have the right balance of intelligence, genetics, and spiritual frequency, which yield superhuman capabilities. Okay, you lost me there, White Wolf. Then they would use those people for their own purposes like shadow working. You know, I guess assassin type, you know, taking people out. Okay, not the shadow work that Anna does. No, so this is like the evil stuff, I guess. The evil shadow work, okay. Yeah. So according to him, they targeted him because of his, of his ability to shapeshift into a wolf. <laughs> but not only that, though, he had exceptional survival skills in tracking, hunting, camouflage, combat, escape, and evasion. He was also trained in martial arts. Some of these skills were finally tuned when he was forced to train with some elite Navy SEALs for over a 10-year period. Now, he does an interview, which is a pretty interesting interview and very informative. It's pretty long, so I'm not going to like go through any of it, but we do have a link of it. So we'll share that you know, with y'all so y'all can, if you want to, go and read about this, about White Wolf here. But uh, I mean, he does state that as of now, he can't shapeshift like he used to. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, he said it when he was around like 13 or so, it was very easy to, you know, shapeshift, but it was very painful to do so. But it was easy to start it. But he did did say that uh, they put an implant in him and he provided an x-ray of it as well. So now I have a picture of that we could share. It honestly looks like a stick, a stick of trident gum. It does. It looks like a stick of trident gum right where his like hip bone is kind of. I would say that's probably in his butt cheek. Huh. And he says that's the, an implant? Yeah. Okay. Well, he should go get it cut out. All right. But the interview is pretty interesting. He goes through and he talks about all the different programs, locations, and the trigger words that they used on him and stuff like that. To make him turn into a wolf? I guess. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we'll provide links to that and pictures of his implant. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess that takes us into theories. So this first theory we're going to talk about, that Jonestown was actually one of the test sites for MKUltra. 
Now, if you aren't familiar with Jonestown, basically in a nutshell, Jonestown was a cult led by a guy named Jim Jones. This Jim Jones dude uh, wanted to create a socialist, communist utopia where people of varying ethnicities could live free from the social and political oppressions of the United States at the time, as well as away from the threat of nuclear war that was going on. So Jim decided to get an asshole to people, like, uh, I don't know, around like 900-ish, to come and join him in northern South America. Uh, But here's the thing. Jim Jones had a, a personality of a textbook cult leader. He wanted full devotion from his followers and would often retaliate in violent ways to individuals who didn't obey him. Because of the way this cult was run, people were not allowed to like speak freely and any weird, odd behavior was reported to Jones. There was a lot of snitches there and he would act accordingly to kind of like get those those people out of his group. This would have like friends turning against friends. Family members would often turn in other family members. They were all just stabbing each other in the back. There's a lot of snitches. So a congressman of the United States named Leo Ryan heard about Jonestown and then heard a rumor that people were being held against their will there. So Leo decided to gather up a group of staff members and journalists and decided to pay Jonestown a visit. Now, he went there, he visited with the cult for a little bit, and he was like, eh, okay, it's a little weird. So him and his crew went back to the airstrip to return home. But get this, Jim Jones sent some members of the cult to kill him to assure that they never made it back. Right after that, Jim Jones gathered up his 900-ish members and told them, hey, word's going to get out that... uh, These people were dead and the United States is going to come for us and we aren't going to be able to live peacefully anymore and there's pretty much nothing to live for. So everyone needs to drink this cyanide laced uh, Kool-Aid and kill themselves. So that's what they did. All of them drank it and they all killed themselves. And that's the story of the Jonestown. Now, the theory around this is that this Jonestown and Jim Jones, all of this was a giant test site. For the CIA's Project MKUltra, that they were bankrolling this entire operation, that Congressman Leo had found out about it, went to investigate it, found out the truth about the CIA's operations, and went back to tell Congress. However, the CIA found out that Leo knew, assassinated him, and then had to get rid of everyone. So they all ordered everyone to drink the Kool-Aid. And that's the theory, that Jonestown was a part of the CIA's uh, MKUltra. I can see that. Yeah, plausible, you know. I mean, there's a lot of weird shit going on. Like, where did they get the cyanide? They had it. Yeah. Don't you have some? Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I don't know where they got it. I just assume that they had it, you know. Question is, how, how'd they get that much Kool-Aid? I was going to ask that, but I thought that'd be wrong. <laughs> That's a lot of Kool-Aid. That is a lot of Kool-Aid. All right. So what's this next theory we got? That that shit was watered down. All right. This next theory is that the CIA's techniques of MKUltra were so good that they accidentally and knowingly created mind-controlled serial killers and mass murderers by using isolation, trauma, inflicted psychological punishments, 
So these serial killers and mass murderers were already on the ledge and didn't need much of a push to go over it. The CIA used techniques to create scenarios to push these killers over the edge. And during the time frame that Project MKUltra was occurring, we saw a spike in a ton of serial killers. What do you think of that? It fits. A lot of serial killers in that time frame. And you got Project MKUltra going on. Mm? Yep. Mm. Gary Heinsek. You remember? You found that article about Gary Heinsek, the dude that would kidnap women and throw them in a hole. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was part of it. He was stationed with Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, it basically, you know, it proved that it could have been Dahmer with him because he was subjected to this in Germany yep. while in the military. And when we talked about Timothy McVeigh, a more recent one, because he was seen by a, C- by a MK Ultra psychiatrist in the 90s while in the military. It was that one uh, base, too, that they had a lot of sh- stuff happen at. Yep. Damn. So good. Ooh, that is a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, it does fit the timeline perfectly. It does. All right, Dan, so what's this next one we got? This next theory is that the CIA reports to an elite society. That this elite society used these findings from the 50s and 70s to help control society better, a.k.a. make us the sheep. So it's basically that the Project MKUltra was all of it and all of its findings was given to this elite society, a.k.a. the Illuminati or whomever it is. The deep state. The deep state to help them control the masses better. Okay. I mean, if you look into it, who does the CIA report directly to? The president. That's the only one they report to. Yeah, nobody else. Hmm. I mean, I could see it, honestly, because say like our Patreon episode, you know, Mockingbird, you know, it's kind of sent around the same time as this or right near the end of MK Ultra. you know, controlling the masses kind of fits in. I could see it. Yeah. All right, Dan. So what's this last theory we got? All right. So this one's, you know, is kind of it's a far reach for this one, I think. So we know that the CIA have done a bunch of research that is just pretty much inhumane. We've got MK Ultra, Project Gateway, QK Hilltop, MK Often. You know, you get the picture here. A lot of these experiments. But what if MK Ultra was used to control humans with superhuman ability or superhuman capabilities? You know, like astral projecting or shape shifting, like wife, White Wolf von Guy, controlling and brainwashing them to work for them to have an edge over other countries. Seek intel with astral projection, shape-shifting assassins to take out competition or spies. Because during that time, there were spies everywhere. Because you think, like Project Gateway, they were going after people with strong psychic abilities. And White Wolf said that they were going after people with, you know, superhuman capabilities. So, you know, kind of go hand in hand. So you think they're just targeting superhumans? Assuming there is superhumans out there in this theory. I think people that have the potential to be superhuman, I think. Okay. Because you know how Anna always talked about people being able to reach that a higher frequency? Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of goes along with that. With people, they were searching for people that could actually hit those higher frequencies and unlock certain potential in themselves. Okay. A little far, little far reach, but, you know. Yeah, it reminds me of that movie... Um... What's that movie called? Glass? Oh, yeah, with uh, with Bruce Willis. And uh, The Beast. The Beast, James yeah. McAvoy. There's that group 
that hunts these superhumans and kills them. So, kind of reminds me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, what is y'all's thoughts and theories on all of this? Like, what is your whole take from all of it? Mm, I would say that it, it definitely hasn't stopped. I still believe they're doing the test, the experiments. I mean, they've deleted or not deleted, but got rid of most of the documents and stuff. And honestly, like one of the things I read up was that the CIA, they're not going to keep a little personal diary of everything they do. So even if a bunch of documents were burned up and all that, they're still more than likely still doing all of this. No one's going to stop them. Who's going to stop them? Yeah, you're right. No one's going to stop them. They can no they one have can. pretty much free reign to do whatever they please. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Dan. I think these experiments, obviously, obviously these experiments took place. And I believe that they are still taking place under a different name. So, what about you, Hans? You know, I think it is peculiar that during the 50s to the uh, 80s, there was an uptake in serial killers. And, you know, you've already got evidence that some of them were under the project. Who's to say they all weren't? They were supposed to be assassins, but something failed. They got released back into public. Something set them off, and they went on a killing spree. You know, there's many murderers that, that said, I didn't know what I was doing till I was already done. I'm not, like, making excuses for them. But I believe that, you know, like Dan said, the, the CIA is using it today. They might have burned all the horrible stuff, but they kept all the stuff that they studied at. And I guarantee it was found out that it could be done. Brainwashing, mind control, it could be done. And they're not going to release that to the public. It makes you wonder if some of these mass shooters are purposely created by the CIA to push political agendas or push narratives. Well, it, it's kind of funky that whenever there's like a big, you know gun legislation going in to effect there's a mass shooting look it up there's mass shootings all the time that there's a gun like a, a gun legislation trying to be passed las vegas shootings perfect example yep but that's my theory is that they're still doing it they found a way to perfect it they'll never stop there's no oversight to them the president is the only person that they report to and even then they're known to throw black projects that no one will ever know about. He'll probably come out like 200 years from now. Yeah, when we've completely forgot about him and we're not even around. Yeah. But our podcast will be, shout out to you 200 years in the future when you're listening to us in 2221. Shout out to you. Yeah, because I mean, you think about it. Yeah, we got all these declassified documents and stuff that they finally, you know, gave up. But that was after it's all said and done. You know, they're... They're more than likely still doing everything. And then the next time we get more documents or something, we're going to find out that they've been doing the shit all over again. Yeah. What's going to happen to them? They're not going to even go to this, not even a slap on the wrist. Nope. I did find a site that uh, kind of freaked me out a little bit. Okay. It has a bunch of files and stuff, you know, classified documents and stuff. That's pretty much, you know, just it's like a library. But then it had uh, MK Ultra sound files and stuff. That you listen to it and it's supposed to make you feel certain ways. Mm. I started listening to one. I'm just like, eh, I don't want to do this. What happened? Like, what, what's going to happen to me if I keep going? All right. So we're going to play those sounds right. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to play those. <laughs>
No, but it's an interesting site. It does have a lot of information on it, though. So, what's the name of the site? It's called the the dash i dot eu. All right, yeah, the dash i dot eu forward slash public forward slash. It's a website dedicated toward archiving and serving publicly available information. Okay, it's a digital history. Yeah, we're not responsible for anything that happens, though. No, we are not responsible. So there you go. All right. Um, so that's the end of the episode today. I just want to thank you for joining us. So now we're going to move on over to On the Scene. So if you're not familiar with our On the Scene, it is where an individual, a listener, uh, or anyone around the world can go out into the public and interview individuals uh, around the world and ask them about current conspiracies and happenings that are currently going on. It's pretty much to get the public's personal opinion. Anyone can do it. Anyone can submit their on the scene. Just record it with your phone and send the file over to our email addresses. Could be Aaron or Dan or Hans at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. And make sure it's less than two minutes long and you'll be featured on our on the scene. So this week uh, we have Harry, who's our on the scene. So we're going to play that right now. Okay, this is Voices from the Street with Harry Scallywag for Theories of the Third Kind, where we get voices from ordinary people in the streets. Right now we're in Brooklyn. Your name is? Tahim Akiwet. Your age? 40. With the advent of COVID and how it seems to have changed the entire world, what are the odds that you would say COVID is world-ending? Not much. I would say it's more of a world-changing. You know, it's, it's not so much world ending, but I think that the world, you know, as far as COVID could lead into other things, you know, as far, far as freedom of rights, freedom of uh, uh, constitutional rights, you know, freedom of personal liberties. What are your feelings on the various vaccines that are out there? I don't trust them yet. They, you go, any regular vaccine, it takes years, you know, five to 10 years, even, you know, to get it you know, certified, get it to where it's supposed to be. This is literally, what, eight months, nine months, and we got a vaccine already? I don't trust it. What's your feeling on the current uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon that seems to be on all the uh, news? I don't think it's new. I think it's always been there. You know, I've, I myself have actually seen a UFO before. You want to talk about it? Oh, I, I can talk about it, but let me answer your question real quick. I don't think it's really no. I think it's just, it's, it's new for the government to come out and admit it, but I also think that that's, one of my one of my main things I always say, if you want to know what the government's doing, don't listen to the media. Look behind the scenes. The media is nothing but there to distract you from what's really going on. So the so to to the government come out and announce UFOs. Yes, we've got UFOs. Yes, we've seen UFOs. We got documents of UFOs. That's just a that's just a you know to get your attention off of. But then, at the same time, it could be flipped over because they're literally sliding it in with everything with COVID, everything with masks, everything with Trump and Biden. They're literally just sliding that in. Uh, to answer your other question, as far as my UFO, I was, we were, I'd say around 10, 12, we were coming home, me and my mom, my dad, and my brothers, and we pulled up on this where the street where right before we had a turn for ours, but it dead ended. There was this huge glowing light about maybe 100, 100, 100 feet, 150 feet up in there, just hovering there. And the funny thing with it is, me and one of my brothers who stayed in the car, we remember it, but everybody else who got in the car don't remember it. Mm. 
Did it change your life in any way? Uh, it made me a believer. That's that's the one way. It made me a believer. It made me, you know, look for things. It made me actually really start questioning things. So that. So yeah, I would say it changed my life that way. All right. Thank you very much for your time. You have a great day. You too. That was a great interview. It was. I like that a lot. Thank you, Harry, for another fabulous week of Voices on the Street, a.k.a. On the Scene with Harry Scallywag. That's right. Mm. That guy was very informative with his responses. He was. Was. Yeah, I like that. Go, Harry, go get some more interviews. I love them. Can't get enough of them. And I love you. All right. Well, that moves us on to shout outs. So for this week's shout outs, we got a special shout out at the end that we're going to that we're going to save for the end. But I'm going to start off with Instagram shout outs. All right. Want to give a shout out to Marcos Garcia, Garcia Pina, Raquel, Mike, Zach, Uranius, JC Johnson, Josh Mack, Adargo. Jack Clout, Luke Neal, uh, Amelia Serpentent, Melissa Phillips, Giovanni Aguilar, Louis P, Michael C, Teus, Red Dadpool, Renan Cuff, Travis Gwynn, Sam C, Harshi Papers, Travis B, Miguel Rodriguez, Jamie Krill, Brandon, Greedy Irish, Helen Doom, and Sean Stomberg. Just wanted to shout all of you out. Uh, I love you. I'm proud of you. Thank you for the Instagram messages. I'll be sending y'all messages back. And uh, that's it for Instagram this week. Um, Dan, who do you have for uh, Facebook this week? All right. So got a shout out to, I'm going to say your name wrong. I'm sorry. Brycey, <laughs> Bryce, Bryce, you know who you are. Yeah, I took care of Bigfoot's hand. She sent me a picture of us. Supposedly, a cougar had chewed up what looks like Bigfoot's hand. I cut off Bigfoot's hand because he broke mine. Hand for hand. Then uh, shout out to Joshua T. Well, technically, this is a shout out from Joshua T. From us. This is a shout out to the love of his life and forever partner, Alicia H. They are actually getting married in September. And we're not invited to the wedding? What the I'm hell? so upset. Yeah. So upset. We take back that shout-out. Hopefully shout after out. this shout-out we get one. <laughs> we take back the shout-out if you don't give us an, an invite. Then, uh, then I just got two from Discord. Eduardo Zavala and Hoitos of mine. Then, of course, all the other ones. You, know, you guys know who you are. All right, Hans, who do you have for shout-outs this week? All right, hop over to email. Um, First one off the email, uh, C. Parsons. I'm glad you moved to Indiana. Make sure that you go to Turkey Run. I think it's Trail 5 that you want to go on. It has the ladders, and it's the most messed up trail ever, but it's so much fun. So I hope that you do it. If you do, send pictures, of course. And uh, we'll hop over to Discord. Arnold, The Thin Gliz, um, Kaiser Soge. Shadow, Shadow, Shadow Ursi, um, Red Dadpool, Kit Kat, um, Jamie Luz, and Jazzy Faye. There's your shout outs. 
Nice. All right. So for the end of our shout outs this week, we have one special one. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Dale, a.k.a. OG Dale. He's our very first Patreon subscriber, one of our OG listeners. Uh, his birthday is Saturday, so it's on the 12th. We just wanted to wish him a happy birthday. I hope it's great. We love him. We're proud of you. And we hope you have a wonderful birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Dale. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Dale. OG Dale, number one Discord buddy. Nice. All right. Well, that's the end of today's episode. I just wanted to thank you for joining us. And again, thank you for all your support. You're all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out? It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. <laughs>